Welcome to Words to Inspire, lifelong empowerment from God's Word. I'm Ruth Coghill, your host. Have you ever wondered if and where you fit into God's plan? Today, I'll join by phone best-selling author and speaker, Liz Curtis-Higgs, who will answer that question over the next few months. Through Liz's study book, The Girls Still Got It, she shows how our sovereign God used an unlikely candidate greatly to accomplish his purposes, Biblical Ruth. You won't want to miss Liz's insights and research into this amazing story of redemption. Welcome back to Words to Inspire, Liz. Wonderful to be with you again. Thanks. (laughs) What a journey we're on, walking with Ruth and Naomi from Moab back to Bethlehem. This is... We left them in a very, you know, a tenuous moment. <laughs> Did we ever? And I just want to alert my listeners that my guest is Liz Curtis Higgs, and we're doing six segments. We're, today we're doing the second segment. The third week of each month, you will be able to catch a segment from Liz's book, The Girls Still Got It, and it's on the book of Ruth. Last time we looked at the first 14 verses of, uh, of Ruth in the first chapter, and today we're going to cover verse 14 again and go on to verse 22. And as we come into this segment, we see that Ruth and Naomi and Orpah are all gathered together in a little, I call it the hormonal huddle because there's some tears there, which always happens when uh, when women get together and they're faced with very, very difficult decisions. Would you agree, Liz? Absolutely. Yeah. And I will point out, the girls are in their mid-20s. We know this because women were married, uh, pledged in marriage, as soon as they were able to conceive a child. So ages 13, 14, 10 years of marriage. So these women are in their mid-20s. And Naomi is somewhere in her early to mid-40s. Um, so she is wow. an apostle. So when you say hormone huddle, you are not kidding. <laughs> and so I her as a woman who's, who's got that, that uh, struggle that we sometimes have in the midlife years of starting to ask, is there anything left for me? What is there for me? And we will hear that in her words very shortly. Well, you know, I have to insert right now that uh, I look at that and I think, wow, she's in her menopausal, and I thought I was too, but instead I was pregnant with our fourth child. And uh, so (laughs) (laughs) that's another story for another time. That's another Ruth story, but uh, (laughs) here we are. And and this is, this verse 15, Liz just grips me. Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Wow. It is a a knife-in-the-stomach verse for me. Yes, absolutely, because Naomi is saying, go back to your people and your gods, little g, plural s, back with her, she says to Ruth. Uh, In other words, I don't care if you don't ever know the God of Israel. I Mm. don't care if you don't know the truth. I just want you out of my life. Mm. That's really the only way I can read that. And the sentence begins, look, said Naomi. And that means two things to us. It means physically, look, here's your sister-in-law over there. See, you're physically walking away. But it's also a way of getting her attention. Hmm. As we might say to someone today, look, we're done here. This is over. And uh, so a very strong word. I think Naomi really reveals her heart there. And it's not not Naomi's loveliest moment. I, I think sometimes we 
misunderstand Naomi as this wonderful, godly woman that Ruth wanted to follow because of Naomi's goodness. But when I look at this, this is, this is not a good Mm-mm. woman Mm-mm. asking her daughter-in-law, come with me so that you can know the one true God. No, she's saying, go back to your gods, little mm. plural lesson. So, so at this moment um, is when Ruth steps forward and does her amazing vow, uh. Uh, just incredible. And I think it's made more powerful when we realize it wasn't what Naomi wanted to hear. No, no. It's interesting that that the uh, story lets us see that Naomi was so human that she was not only uh, not only menopausal, but she was also grieving. She had lost everything. Yes, she had. And And so we have to keep that in perspective. That we don't really say the right things when we are in those stages of our lives when we're grieving. Or when we're menopausal, thank God that people love us through those days and that God can accomplish something in spite of us. God loves us through those days. Yes, yes. And so carry on with this. What Ruth says to her, wow, these are some of the most powerful, powerful words in this book. Well, and everybody, I think, knows them if you know the story of Ruth at all. In fact, some people may have heard these words and didn't know where they came from. Exactly. Uh, used them in a wedding ceremony or heard them in a wedding ceremony. But very simply, Ruth says, where you go, I will go. As Amy Grant saying, I'm with you. That's right. Where you go, I will go. Um, and that is, that is huge. Um, she's not putting any restrictions on it. Where you go, I will go. There's not, unless, of course, you're going here. I don't want to go there. She doesn't have that. No. Oh, it's an open door. And where you stay, I will stay. And when I first read that, I thought, well, is she saying the same thing twice? Not really. Because she could have gone with her to see her safely home to Bethlehem and then come back to Moab. What she's saying is, I'll not only get you there. I'll not only follow wherever you go. I'm going to make that my home. Huge. And then the next, your people will be my people. Ruth, when we marry, um, what we usually say to each other is, your people will be my people, and my people will be your people. Uh, You know, the happiest marriages are where both of the extended families are equally valued, loved, and included in our lives. We see trouble all the time when one family takes over the marriage and the other family is ignored. It's a big problem, and especially it becomes so when grandchildren come along. So Ruth is saying, your people will be my people. That's it, Mom. I'm going to identify mm. entirely with you. We can leave Moab behind for good because I'm with you. Huge, huge, huge for her to turn her back on her people. Um, but she, her people worship Moab, and she is ready to move beyond that. Then we get to this amazing statement, and your God, my God. Wow, wow. What was it that was drawing Ruth to this God of Israel, the true God? What was it? Well, it surely wasn't Naomi. I just have to say that. I don't think she's seeing this godly woman and wanting what her her, her, uh, mother-in-law had. I think she's able to see past Naomi and God has revealed himself. Hmm. Um, and so she is willing to make that pledge, your God, my God. Now, what it does tell us about Naomi is Naomi has not abandoned God. As you mentioned earlier, Naomi still talks about God. Um, she may do it in anger, frustration, disappointment, sorrow, 
but she's still talking about it. That's right. Some people, when they go through a hard thing, disavow God completely. There is no God. There couldn't be a God if I'm going through this pain. Yes. Naomi never says that, and that's encouraging. She gives God credit for all the pain she's going through. (laughs) She really does. He loves me so much, he won't take his hand off me. No. Really what it is, he has not let go of me. What he's putting through me me through hurts, but at least it's him, Mm. the adversary, putting her through grief. It's the God who loves her and wants her back. That's who's who's drawing her. And as every parent knows, um, when you have to pull a child back from the edge of disaster, they're about to dart into the street, they're about to touch a hot stove. When you pull them back to the child, it feels like punishment. Yes. Like they're, you know, a bad thing. They're being held back. But the parent knows, I am saving your life. Mm, wow. exactly what God is doing for Neo. Wow. I, I can't help but wonder, as I'm hearing your, your take on, on, this, uh, on this verse, I wonder if Ruth had come to the end of herself in serving the gods of Moab. Was sure she, she so had. empty? Was she so empty and lonely for the true God? Uh, you know, God places within every one of us a, a desire to know him, whether we ignore it or embrace it. But had she come to the end of that, and you know how God says in the Psalms, he puts the lonely in families, had she become so tired of that lifestyle that she was ready for a change? I think so, and I also think she watched how powerful God was to take out Elimelech, Malon, and uh-huh. Gilead, the father and the son. Yeah who fell dead to their feet, um, she quickly got it. This God is powerful, far yes. more powerful mm-hmm. than uh, the God of the Moabs, Yes. And so, so God had certainly revealed himself as a powerful God, but he also revealed himself as a God who wouldn't let go of his mm. because mm-hmm. he's hanging on to Naomi. Mm-hmm. And um, all of those things, and I do think of the absolute revelation of God to Ruth, he revealed himself to her in some amazing and strong way, even in the heartache. Yes. Uh, and I think that is, it's a hard message. When I share this from the platform, Ruth, it's hard because what you're saying to people is that difficulty you're going through, God has a purpose in it. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Like it has no purpose, and yet God is in it. And if we can just get a hold of that and say, okay, Lord, even if we speak like Naomi, with God has his hand on me, God mm-hmm. is, is against me, as long as we see God behind it, in it, and through it, then at least we know it's purposeful. I wow. can handle any pain if I know there is some purpose to it. We were coming into verse 16. We've talked about it a little bit, but I want you now, Liz, to join me where we talk about verse 17, because this is a powerful covenant statement that Ruth is making. Where you die, I will die. Pick it up from there. Right, and and we might say, well, it matter where you're buried. Well, it mattered a great deal to people in that time and place. You were supposed to be buried in your homeland always with your people. Um, People's bodies were moved from one country to the other just so they could be buried with their people. And she has just said, your people will be my people, Mm. God, my God. So the natural next thing is, and where you die, I will die, and I will be buried in that place. And then she adds to this, may the Lord deal with me, be it 
ever so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Now, she's already seen the Lord deal with this family. So it's a very powerful statement for her to say, may the Lord, in essence, take my life yes. if I should break this vow. Yes. Now, this is a woman who just pledged her life to God, now literally giving God the power over her life. It, it just, just, you know, I give myself to you, Lord, or yeah. I take you as my Savior, but it's, and you get all of me, Lord. It's all yours. It, deal with me as you wish. That's a big statement. When you recognize what, uh, what she has given up, and she's got a sister-in-law, that, that really, because of the age, you would think that there might have been a, a closer relationship between Orpah and Ruth than with Naomi and Ruth. And she's giving it all up and saying all of this, that I am committed. Hook, line, and sinker, till death, and death if I break it. That is, right. that is such a powerful statement. It is. It's, and it is the cost of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Right. And boy, she really gives us an example of what it means to follow, uh, to be a Christ follower today. She does, indeed. And I love Naomi's response. She's so completely blown away by this amazing vow that, it, in fact, it says, Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her. I'm thinking, <laughs> is that an understanding? <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. And she stopped urging her. In other words, she fell silent. Now, on the one hand, it's wonderful that she was so blown away. But on the flip side, if I had made a vow like that, to another person, I would have hoped for them to say something like, wow, or even no thanks, or bless you, or well, let's go. Yes. But she says nothing. So Ruth has made this enormous promise, this huge vow, getting nothing back in confirmation from Naomi. Again, a reminder to us, when we make a commitment to God, the people around us may not actually be on board. They may not be excited about it with us. They may not affirm or confirm. We are making that pledge to God directly, even as he pledges to be our God and to never leave us or forsake us. And so, you know, there's that, there's that dividing from the family and making this full commitment to God. And that's what Ruth has done here. Mm. Um, no matter what Naomi's response is. And at first, her response is silence. Uh, just just amazing when you think about that. This isn't what she wanted Ruth to do. She wanted Ruth to go back, but that's not going to happen. So Naomi's got to readjust her thinking. And Naomi didn't just ask her to go back one time. Like there are a number of verses that cover how determined that she is that Ruth returned with, with Orpah. It's, it's just an amazing uh, strength of character and perseverance that Ruth shows one thing that she's not going to do, she's not going to let her past predict or prophesy her future. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture that is for us today. So we come to verse 19, and, uh, and it says, tells us that the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So again, just remind us of what Bethlehem means. Right, house of bread. <laughs> yeah, where they should have been all, or uh, Naomi should have been all the time. But all isn't along. it wonderful that that God is, does not allow all these errors and all these mistakes to stop or to hinder his divine and sovereign plan? He's now brought in a woman that really didn't belong and made her belong. 
Right, he's bringing bringing our Ruth into the story. It is interesting. There's no description of their of their trip back together, so we have no idea what how these two are responding to one another, what is happening between them emotionally. What we do know is what happens when they get to Bethlehem. And, and let, before we get there, I, I'd really like to just speak for a moment. Have you speak for a moment of of what it would be like for two widows traveling by themselves in that era? Well, dangerous for starters. Yeah. Yes, I mean, we've had obstacles all through this story. And a while we could skip over this and say, oh, well, they've, they're going back to Bethlehem and, and now they're there. Uh, it really would have been quite a journey. Yeah, between 70 and 100 miles, depending on how you measure it. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, uh, and I've been in that part of the world. I've seen what that land looks like. Um, it's fairly desolate, to be honest. It's desert. Um, and it's uh, hills and valleys and and uh, the River Jordan, of course, and they would have had to ford the Jordan at, uh, at the spot most likely to allow them to do that. Um, but you still had, uh, in the valleys, you would have lions. Um, you would have all mm. kinds of wild animals. So it was incredibly risky. We know, however, they weren't going alone. Because mm. we go back to the verse that says, when the Lord, mm. when the Lord when his word came to Naomi. So she knew she wasn't alone. And Ruth obviously was very convinced she wasn't alone, that God was with them. Yes. Uh, and so, but it was dangerous. There was a huge risk involved. Um, and emotionally between the two of them, but just physically because of, of uh, the situation. They usually traveled. This is interesting to me. Travel often occurred at night. First of all, it was cooler. And second of all, um, it was... Um, safer in some ways at night to be awake and moving rather than to be asleep uh, in the darkness of the desert. So they traveled at night. Well, when God calls us to a new place, there are usually some obstacles along the way, but that assurance that he is with us is what brings people back to him self and onto the plan that God has for each of us. We can all identify with this part of the story, that, that call to do his will but all of these challenges along the way. So come back now, uh, Liz, and as they get back into Bethlehem, we find that the whole town is stirred because of them, and the women can't even recognize. Can this be Naomi, they ask? Right. Ten years have gone by. Um, we may look in the mirror and say to ourselves, well, I, don't, I, I haven't aged too badly, but somebody who hasn't seen us for ten years looks at us and goes, oh, why? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> this is a very real story, isn't it? <laughs> Her friends back home are going, oh my goodness. And of course, with all the grief and the sorrow of those 10 years, no doubt Naomi has aged a great deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so her bitter response, don't call me Naomi, the word means pleasant. Yes. Don't call me delight. Don't call me sweetness. Call me Mara, which means bitter. So don't call me happy, call me sad. Um, and then she says, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. As we have mentioned throughout our, our, our discussion about the, uh, the book of Ruth, Naomi is aware of God's hand, and it has not been a hand of comfort but of discipline. But at least she's still giving God mm -hmm. the credit for her life. Mm -hmm. has made my life very bitter. This is where I am now. She, and I love Naomi's honesty. 
It isn't pretty, but at least she's honest. Yes. So often we want to hide mm. our Moab experiences. We want to hide our our heartache, our bitterness, and put on this little happy, uh, yeah. call a Facebook face. Oh, yes, You know, yes. it's like everything's great in no. the house. It's all fabulous. And we can't even pray for each other if we don't no. know what we're hurting about. So Naomi comes in the door just laying it all out there. And then this major statement in verse 21, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Wow. And then the last verse of this segment that we're looking at today, returning to, to uh, Bethlehem and arriving, give us the takeaway from this portion as the har- barley well, harvest. Come, she says that I came back empty, but Ruth is standing right next to her. The truth is, she's come back very full. She just doesn't know it. Yes. And so, you know, the word for us is when we come back um, to God and we feel like we've lost everything, his arms are full. Mm. And cannot wait to bless us. And that blessing comes when we realize our emptiness. Wow. And you know how God uses our brokenness. And I love the fact that you've pointed out how real Naomi is. I'm so grateful for that because in our brokenness, God can use us to help others around us. And sometimes our greatest pain can become our greatest ministry when we allow God to have control and allow God to heal those broken parts. Thank you, Liz. What a beautiful picture you've painted for us today. And what a privilege to have Liz Curtis Higgs join Words to Inspire to encourage us with the story of Ruth. I'd love to hear from you, my listeners. Email me with your thoughts or comments about today's show, ruth at wordstoinspire.ca, or visit my website, wordstoinspire.ca. You can also visit the store on my website where you can purchase the first of my WOW Bible studies, Woman of Worth, Lifelong and encouragement from Psalm 139 and just released the four DVD set to accompany that first book, a great resource to encourage you in your spiritual journey. God's word is so powerful and Words to Inspire wants to stir up your desire to memorize, meditate, study, and apply the life-changing truths of scripture. The theme verse for this book on Ruth, this series that we are doing, I've chosen from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the message, and it reads, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Tune in again next week, same time and station. I'm Ruth Coghill with Words to Inspire. Bye for now.